0: Hello, my brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Coming Back Home podcast. I'm your host, Amber Rashid, and I full heartedly invite you on this beautiful adventure. Each week, we will take a journey in exploring different topics in the world of plant medicine and natural healing remedies. My intention is to bring awareness and shed light onto what plant medicine is, helping shift the perspective that these sacred plants are not a drug, but rather a divine and intelligent medicine. It's a concentrated drop of nature that carries ancient wisdom and knowledge from thousands and thousands of years ago to help the collective conscious expand, grow, and heal. It's a calling back home to the essence of our soul, who we are, and who we are called to be in this lifetime. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of the Coming Back Home podcast. I feel so humbled and so honored to be here with you today. And today I have a very special guest with me, Yashbal from Costa Rica. Yashbal is the founding bishop of the Essence of Order Natural Mystics and founder director of International Alliance of Natural Mystics, which are both headquartered in Costa Rica and the United States. They are registered in both countries under the FOAC1A Free Church and Self-Regulating Religious Organization and Foundation. Yashpal is a retired naturopathic physician from 1993 to 2013 and now practices ethnogenic medicine as a doctor of pastoral science and medicine from 2013 to presently. Yashpal is in the process of fulfilling a grand mission to reclaim our sacred rights as traveling modern mystics from any tradition, reclaiming the use of sacred medicines through religious freedom as we have for thousands of years until the war on drugs was enacted internationally as a war against which some people that do drugs. Much love and blessings. So welcome Yashpal to the Coming Back Home podcast.
1: Thank you. I appreciate And thank you for having me.
0: You're so welcome. I feel so blessed and so honored to have you. You're truly a medicine man, which my family and I had the honor of sitting with you in Costa Rica up in Dominical. And honestly, your medicine is very beautiful and had such a great impact on our lives. And I just really wanted to bring you on to the podcast today so you can help share the wisdom that you have learned and that you continue to bring to the world.
1: Mm, thank you. I appreciate it.
0: So if we could just begin by telling us a little bit about who you are, where you come from, and a little bit about your background for everyone that's listening.
1: Okay, thank you. To briefly, but start at the beginning to understand. I'm a doctor through and through. And uh, so at age four, I was Voicing that I wanted to be a doctor. And then at age five, my mother had a very severe plane crash that she survived. And so from age five on, my mom was blind and handicapped. She tells a story that when I was seven, so she was in a coma for three weeks in a hospital for a year and a half. So I was around seven when she came back. And because I wanted to be a doctor, I helped her with all her physical therapy and took her to her appointments and all of that stuff. Where my father is a I'm not sure what rank he was then, but uh he retired as an army colonel, so he was an army officer. But anyway, uh I got her walking after about four months. The first time she walked to the doctor appointment, the doctor took a look at her x-rays and told her that she shouldn't be walking and ordered her a wheelchair. And I was seven, my mom would tell this story. And I looked at her and I said, mom, you walk down here, you're walking back. Don't let the doctors <laughs> no. tell you that you can't walk. And so my mom has always told that story that she knew I was going to be a different kind of doctor at that time. So I ended up throughout life and I thought I was going to be a, when I left uh, high school, at 17. And I was valedictorian and skipped a grade. And uh, I worked seven hours every day after school because I knew medical school was going to cost a lot of money and all of that. So when I left, I had an Army ROTC scholarship that would have paid for all my college and medical school. And then I would owe them eight years of service, which for me in my mind was I do my residency, my internship and be a eye surgeon and a neurosurgeon and then I'd go into private practice and everything would be perfect. Well, that changed. And I basically started doing some of these medicines recreationally and really started thinking about my life and I decided that I didn't want to do regular orthodox Medical and I was in biomedical engineering. And when I got to my senior year, before that, we were doing robotics and artificial limbs and everything. And then when I got in the Jarvik 7, which was an artificial heart with Barney Clark, that happened. And so when I got into my final year of engineering, it was all artificial hearts, artificial livers, artificial this, artificial that. And I got very disillusioned and decided that I needed to do natural medicine. And I had already learned massage, even though I was in school and engineering school and all of that. Mm -hmm. And so I dropped out of college. I dropped out for one year and then I went back and finished my degree. And then I had to figure out how to pay for naturopathic school, naturopathic medical school in Portland, Oregon. So I moved to the West Coast living on a prayer. My family had disowned me financially because I wasn't going to be a regular doctor anymore. And I basically lived on crystals and (laughs) moved across (laughs) the country and then was a traveling massage therapist uh, up and down the West Coast until they finally had student loans available for naturopathic school. And then I went to those four years of naturopathic school. And then I was a doctor in private practice and had my baby and everything small town in Washington as the years went on I decided I didn't want to basically people would keep coming back with their acute illnesses and not really work on their underlying causes and so I changed my practice to chronic disease instead of acute so not doing sore throats and uh, earaches and stomach aches and was more looking at chronic disease and then I discovered that with chronic disease there's a whole soul level that doesn't I used to have this big poster in my office that said the doctor can't do what the patient will not and so I had been exploring different psychedelics or entheogens is a better word in my mind in 2009 is when I closed my practice officially from about 2006 to 2009, I was going through this transition, and I decided that I, I now practice entheogenic medicine. So I work at the soul level with these different powerful sacred medicines and sacraments. And since 2009, I've pretty much been on this uh, path and mission of, uh, and I'm not a shaman. I, I do my best to not allow anyone to call me a shaman. I'm a medicine man and I work with all of these different medicines as sacraments and as teachers and maintain and reclaim religious freedom to do so. That's me in a nutshell. (laughs)
0: <laughs> mm, that's so beautiful thank you so much for sharing all that i i love your whole journey from what you explained from your childhood to where you basically are now and it really is so interesting how our soul has a calling and even since you were younger like you you realized that calling and and then you just kept following it and life kept leading you closer and closer to the plants absolutely and so Was there one particular plant medicine that like after like an experience that you had where it was kind of like the final straw, like, okay, I'm gonna officially go into ethnogenic medicine? Or was it just kind of like an accumulative of your experiences or or from several experiences that you had?
1: So yeah, I mean, basically, when I was 19 in college is when I did lsd for the first time and that's what i was briefly alluding to in our in my introduction there is that i really took a look at my life and was like do i really want to be an army officer as a doctor doing surgery is that really how i want to spend my life and i uh you know endured a lot of sacrifices with my family primarily my father and everything of uh of making this transition. I also you know, did the, the natural medicine and everything, and you know, in 1999, I was just walking. So for two years, I was a traveling massage therapist while I was figuring out how to pay for, for naturopathic medical school. And so I went up and down the West Coast and all of that. So I was in San Francisco one day in 1999. So that I graduated from Naturopathic school in 1993. So this was still six years after already being a doctor and everything. And I was in San Francisco and I saw this uh, marquee that said the first annual ayahuasca conference. And I'm like, what is ayahuasca? What's this conference about? And so that's that's probably what started 1999. And then I also I went to Amsterdam at some point, and I met this woman, Sarah Glatt, and I found out about Iboga. And that's what I was starting to say is later on, I had a, um, I guess that was around the 2002. So 1999, I started doing ayahuasca. In 2002, I found out about Iboga, and I went as a doctor to go find out what Iboga was all about. I had a Stepdaughter that was addicted to heroin, and so I had that, and I had a a fourteen year old uh, where I used I used to travel to six locations, seeing clients, and so in New York, uh, one of my clients' fourteen year old died of a heroin overdose at age fourteen, and so those two things combined, I was actually uh, just driving home one day. And I realized that I have to figure out what this iboga thing is all about. And so I went and did iboga for the first time. I really appreciated it. But then when I came back and I had my first experience and everything and not being a heroin addict, it wasn't quite as profound as, you know, what made sense and everything. But anyway, I came back and I started organizing ayahuasca ceremonies. And so I got very much into the ayahuasca world at that time. And so I let go of iboga and those thoughts for a while until 2002. And then 2002, I revisited that and iboga completely blew me away and how powerful and amazing that medicine is. And from 2002 to 2006, I was also medical director at Gabriel Cousins place, which supervised a lot of fasting and was a one hundred percent or ninety five percent live food or uh, raw food. So I did a lot of chronic disease through fasting and uh, being the medical director there and all sorts of uh, experiences with clients in that realm and I just kept feeling and have this underlying Thing that I think that these sacred medicines, as I said before, working at the soul level is what needed to happen. And so from 2006 to 2009, I was working with that in and out, but at the same time, you know, as I was being a regular doctor. And during that time, I also did four vision quests in Colombia, which is basically sitting on the mountain with no food and water for four days. And then it went up to seven days and then nine days and then 13 days. And so the fourth year on that 13 days. So they give you uh, three pieces of fruit and a liter and a half of uh, peyote or San Pedro tea on day five. And then day eight, the community brings up a full spread of fruits the berries of the of the earth and uh water and then on day 11 they bring you the what's called the four fruits of the earth which is actually meat even though I was vegan I still ate it but meat corn the berries being fruits and then water but uh on that 13 day one so at some point in there between day 7 and 9 I basically was overflowed with this bright white light. And the way I said it, I was, I was taken up in this golden light. And then that's when the document for my, uh, current church, I memorized that transmission while I was up on the mountain. And so that's technically how it started. <laughs> and, uh, in 2009. And, I decided I needed to get some space to really study and develop this and all of that, and I was busy as a as a doctor in private practice, and I took like six months to close my practice, and then since 2009, I've dedicated myself to what I term entheogenic medicine, which is working on the soul level with these uh, variety of, of sacred medicines. I came to understand that Schedule 1 and that all these things were illegal, but yet I was seeing such amazing results. And from the experience of a doctor, even giving natural herbs and everything and counseling and stuff like that, that in a couple of nights of ayahuasca or one full session of iboga, you know, would take two, three, five, ten 10 years for somebody to make the transitions that I was seeing happen. And also in my own life. That's why.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. I totally resonate with what you're saying. And I think a lot of people listening would really appreciate your journey as well. And that's why I kind of started my whole podcast is that I want to help bring awareness and the be a platform for plant medicine because as a world is right now, we're kind of seeing that band-aiding the problem for all these years is not really working. And so the beauty of the plants is like you said, they work on a soul level and really brings you back to the beginning so you can like unrelease like release these traumas and misconceptions and beliefs so you can really get to the root and extract it out because For many, many years and generations, we've just been band-aiding one after another. And so, yeah, your journey is just so beautiful. And I think it's so beautiful that, like God says, you seek and you shall find. And so you continue to seek and really tune in to to your inner calling and your soul and maybe not understanding the complete why and how, but just having that trust of your intuition to keep going and following I think that really will give a lot of people encouragement because even myself, so I'm so young, but I feel like I'm starting to step into my power. And the more that I do continue to listen to my intuition and sit with the plants, the more insight I get and the easier things become. So thank you so much.
1: Just wanted to point out, it's not always plants. Yeah. Sometimes it's molecules. And I think that we had an experience with... Uh, A toad medicine, so that's not a plant either. (laughs) I know a lot of people say thank you, plant medicines, thank you, plant medicines, and all this. But the main thing is, is these sacred entheogenic, so entheogen, as opposed to psychedelic. Okay, psychedelic is mind manifesting, hallucination is seeing things that you that aren't there, and those are just yes, both of those things happen. However. What I concentrate both on the use and the intention is that these, all these medicines that they have in common is that they're entheogens. So they generate God within. And whatever your relationship is on the outside to what that higher power got, I mean, for me, it's just really hard to work with people that are atheists because there is uh, something that keeps this life purposeful. And to me, it's a purposeful universe, even the challenges that we've had in our lives. And, and that's what a psychedelic or an entheogenic experience is, is you go through all sorts of ups and downs through that journey in the night, but you're healed up by the morning light. You know? In other words, it all starts to make sense by the time you get to the morning. And that's how life is. Somehow you realize that it all had a purpose, that you had to go through these challenges to make the shifts. Or the way I say it when I pray and I open up the directions in the ceremony, I always uh, honor the creator to uh, guide our way and to correct us when we've gone astray.
0: Mm, I love that. Thank you so much for that clarification. I think it's um really important. And one thing I wanted to go back to, that's something that you also said in the beginning, was I'm a medicine man and I'm not a shaman. And I think I just I really appreciate that as well, because I think nowadays as other centers, it's very easy for people to just say, oh, yeah, I'm a shaman. But can you, for people that are listening, can you distinguish what the difference between a medicine man and a shaman is?
1: Okay, well, I don't know about everyone's definition, but for my definition, Mm, (laughs) Mm -hmm. to me, a shaman works otherworldly. So a shaman can see spirits, manipulate spirits, challenge spirits, banish spirits, all of that. I don't do that. I don't okay. uh, see any of that. As a, and me, as a medicine man, I basically treat the human condition. And I'm not a shaman or a master of one substance. I work with all of the different medicines and that each of them become important at different times or a structure so more as a prescription of the types of experiences. And yes, I believe that that only ayahuasca, only iboga, only san pedro and only peyote that those traditions that stay with the one medicine, I do believe that those medicines can, quote, do it all, okay? Mm. But I look at more of the purposes of each of these different medicines, of these different sacraments, and combined with our intention, then uh, combining them in a safe manner, Okay, because they're all pretty intense. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've had some definite challenges in my life with working with clients with these medicines. And, you know, that's part of practicing is, you know, when you work on some of the most damaged people on the planet with addicts and uh, different things like that, even in the best circumstances, working with these medicines therapeutically Is not always a a smooth and easy task. So people should understand that as well. I guarantee you that all of these medicines are very, hold a very good intention and mission. And so if you have a bad experience with a practitioner or you didn't feel anything when you went to that ayahuasca ceremony or this happened or this or whatever and you go. Know, i don't i've done that i don't need to do ayahuasca anymore i've learned i can tell you that you're wrong okay the medicine ayahuasca especially continues to work on you for your entire life and uh it uh you can't blame the medicine the medicine is doing what it does the Practitioners, including myself, we add our egos in there, and uh, may not resonate with a particular person's soul or at their right time, but I say don't give up on the on the medicine okay the medicines mm-hmm. do fifty percent we need to do the other fifty percent that's the challenge for me as well. I basically look at it as prescriptions and how to work with it therapeutically and uh, what the underlying conditions are, and everybody's completely individual in their circumstance, and where shamans work on a completely different level than uh, than I do, one of the Taitas, one of the shamans medicine people that I work with in Colombia with Yahe, which is another Word for ayahuasca. I used to bring clients to him. You know, we'd be doing all of our work and then we'd come to him for the ayahuasca part. And uh, we did that sort of jointly. And one of the things that he used to say, which wasn't quite as accurate, but what he'd say is, Yashpal is a physical doctor. I'm a spiritual doctor. So shamans are spiritual doctors in the aspect of that they don't have to like understand what's going on in in fact, it's probably easier to not understand what's going on physically with a person. They can feel and sense how different energies and different spirits are affecting things and work on that level. And that's just not me. I'm not an, I'm an artist. I'm a healing artist in the aspect of that. But, uh, I'm not an artist, and, and I'll never really be in the aspect of drawing and painting. It's just mm-hmm. not where my gifts are, and sometimes we just have to acknowledge. these
0: Thank you so much for that clarification and just your pure honesty and like just this is who I am. And you said so many great stuff. I loved also the part where you talked about intention and setting. I think that's really important. Even with I see like with psilocybin, for example, you know, people sometimes taking it for fun, but many of us may not realize that there's a very sacred spirit within the medicine. And so that sometimes, you know, people will have like a bad experience, but it's mostly due to because they're not in a safe place with people that know how to hold space or And they're just not doing it with intention. And so that's one thing that I've come across, especially in my generation, is people say, oh, like, you know, I'm having such a bad trip. And first question I ask is, what is your set and setting? Because it's so important. And I just really thank you for bringing awareness to that, because I think that's something that needs to be addressed.
1: I think some medicine can be used on a recreational basis. But you still have to have that knowledge and you still have to understand where your set and setting is. And they can still be very therapeutic as well in that night at the festival that you did mushrooms, that you lost your friends and you were wandering around, wondering what happened and all of that. And uh, as you know, in the tenets of my church, the third tenet is that our bodies are temple and we reserve its holy rites. And it's sometimes our bodies are temple, but I also can make the choice to use my body as a laboratory. And in that as a laboratory, I may choose to see what it would be like to mushroom chocolate at a festival instead of, you know, a proper mushroom dela is that so you're blindfolded and you're because mushrooms like to, or mushrooms like you to be still. But our egos and our minds and our resistance gets us to get distracted very easily. And so Mm -hmm. therapeutically with mushrooms, it's much better to just be still and blindfolded and do a large dose and let it completely work on you. And uh, that's my biggest job is to keep people from being distracted when they're going through a mushroom experience. Oh, I think I need to go do this. I just need to, could you go get me? No, just go internal. Just go internal. And so I'm more like a policeman keeping them internal.
0: Could you tell our audience of like what plants that you or what medicines that you specifically work with?
1: Yes. So I can do a quick overview, but I do regular natural medicine and the aspect of supplements and herbs and uh, you know all of that stuff when people come to me specifically as a doctor. Here in Costa Rica, and I also travel, I personally work with uh, 5-MeO-DMT and Bufo-Alvarius Toad. And I work with Combo, which is a frog, Combo frog that's burned into your skin. And so those are the two that I think are a good start for... Anyone. Okay.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So I serve those most often now. I work with ayahuasca. However, I primarily bring shamans from Peru and Colombia up, or I bring people down to them. Though I also work with uh, ayahuasca myself, and we may do family sits or uh, holding space, but that's more. Letting the medicine, just holding space for the medicine to work on people as well, as opposed to what I'd said about working with shamans that can work on a completely different level mm-hmm. and that have had, you know, fourth, four generations, uh, fourth generation medicine person in their blood and in their soul and in their spirit a lot more than it is with me. I also work with iboga. I have not been initiated with eBoga, so I do work as it more as a therapeutic model. I work with addicts and with uh, chronic disease and things like that, uh, more with Iboga in that realm. And then uh, I love working with San Pedro. I mean, I work with peyote, but I primarily work with San Pedro or Wachuma. And uh, mushrooms, I consider a personal sacrament, so I guide People as well, but I mainly teach people how to do them their, themselves. Same with San Pedro. I work with MDMA, and uh, I have experiences and work with uh, LSD, but I don't do that therapeutically with people as much. But I do value it. Our church honors LSD, MDMA, and NDMT and 5MEO DMT as divinely inspired molecules. So, yeah, I work with all of them. (laughs) I do a 10 day retreat, primarily for chronic disease or addicts, heroin addicts, et cetera, but primarily for chronic disease to where I start out with Eboga. And then on day three, I serve 5 MEO DMT. And then depending on how they are, it kind of switches from there. But I do my best to add, there could be. A booster of EBOGA. There could be another 5-MeO. I try to have them also do at least between one and three combo sessions and then end everything mm-hmm. with, uh, with San Pedro to help them put it all back together after all that work. And that's a 10-day retreat experience, healing retreat experience that I
0: offer. Beautiful. And you already kind of answered my question, but my second question was going to be if someone was wanting to try medicine for like probably the first time, what are some of the medicines that are the first step? And I loved how you said combo.
1: Yeah. Well, combo, I think is good. And that's a frog. And 5MEO, I've had a lot of people that have never done anything to alter their mind and then doing the 5MEO. And I think those are great. But in general, Uh, you know, starting, if you do have a good sitter and teacher in the world, I'd say San Pedro and or mushrooms are the least committed, I guess you could say. And then ayahuasca, I think is the most complete. I know lots of people that, oh yeah, I did ayahuasca twice. Yeah, it didn't really work for me. That's ridiculous. Okay. You know, I've done Ayahuasca is basically a way of life, and uh, I have done ayahuasca well over a thousand times. People are like, oh, it must not be that good. You're still not healed. You still got to do it. No, I live a life, and in these lives, things come up, and uh, our egos and the way we think of things and uh, the way people think of us and uh, all sorts of things, so I'm continually getting insights from my experiences with all of these medicines. And uh, ayahuasca is one that I'll do until I die, and uh, Yopo is also another amazing medicine. I don't serve that. I work with Wilka, which I serve with, but we have a medicine man down here that does serve the Yopo, and that's an amazing medicine. Rapé is good to do on a regular basis. Tananga so is one of the hardest things for me to do, and it's not that entheogenic, but it's definitely. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but yes, combo is good. The way we say with combo is that you voluntarily suffer now, so you don't involuntarily suffer later. And so, mm-hmm. combo is good to do before embarking on any big healing journey. With Combo, it has over 200 bioactive polypeptides and uh, uh, you're detoxing heavy metals and viruses and bacteria and all of that. I mean, we should do that during this whole pandemic is people should be Mm, doing I agree. But uh, to have that be out through the masses is a whole nother story.
0: And for people that are listening that don't really know what combo is, can you kind of explain the history and like the the purpose of um, how or it could be a purgative spiritual and emotional cleansing and kind of what the process is and taking that medicine?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right is a purgative of both physical and spiritual healing and processes. It's not a visionary psychedelic, entheogen, you know, uh, medicine that, that you may think of. but the primary purpose of combo is to straighten your road, okay? So if you think you're doing things in a good way, you're a good person, you try to be da, 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 but things just don't go your way. It's a good time to do combo, okay? If you have a family history, of uh, physical illness, it's a good time to do combo. If there's any diseases uh, that you're working with and battling with, it's a good time to do combo. And combo is the skin secretion of the giant tree frog, primarily in Brazil. And it doesn't have any competitors because it secretes this toxin on its skin, so if a snake tries to bite it, it just does that and it'll just spit it out. so these um frogs are sung to, and apparently this information came in a dream to some indigenous person i believe mm-hmm. I believe his name might have been combo, and uh, the spirit of him is what you're invoking with the uh by saying the word combo and all of that. But basically, what they have found in traditional use is that you, you burn the first layer of skin on a certain number. Traditionally, you do three within a moon cycle, within 28 days. So that's the goal, is to do at least three in 28 days. So you burn the first layer of skin and then you apply. You've been prepared. The you've reconstituted the medicine with uh, water, and then you put the medicine on these open wounds. Okay, and then within a couple of minutes, your heart will start racing. You'll start feeling the uh, heat coming up to your head, and you might swell up like a like a anaphylaxis in that your Throat and uh, lips and uh, cheeks um, may swell. So you've been fasting for twelve hours of uh, no solid food, preferably just water, and then you uh, you're drinking lots of water. But what the medicine is doing, it's now traveling through the lymph system and taking out heavy metals, chemicals, viruses, bacteria, etc., and then coming up through the liver, and then out your bile, and then you vomit that. And mm-hmm. the water is both cooling because of the heat of the combo, and so that cools. is also a vehicle to get the toxins out of you through the bile. And so it's about a 30-minute process of all of that happening. And there's not a pharmaceutical on the planet that I know that can do something like that. And so the first one, it kind of, the way I say it is, it kind of assesses things and does an overview. So it's basically like the first interview with the, with the doctor, you know? And then mm-hmm. the second one seems to be a little bit more productive. And then the third one is more to clean everything up. But uh, you'll find that over the next two weeks, Everything will start coming into alignment again in your life. Things will become easier. And that's because of the spirit of combo. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Thank you so much, Yashvel. I I definitely... It resonated with what you were saying that it's definitely a voluntary suffering. I mean, I remember when I was doing combo, I had these thoughts in my head, like, what am I doing? Like, this is horrible. But then it was also just part of me not surrendering and just saying, okay, like, this is worth this 30 minutes or so, or however long it's going to take, because it's worth a lifetime of happiness. And it's so true what you said that afterwards, you start seeing well, for me, I just started seeing more clear-headed and things in my life. Not so much of the resistance, but me and more flowing. And just physically, I just felt so much more lighter. And I've even had friends who have gone into another combo ceremony where she's had eczema. And after the second time, you can see completely starting to clear up. So I think this medicine is so beautiful. And I think that's something that a lot of people in the world could use right now. Yeah, and that's why they call it nature's vaccine. I think it's so beautiful. And when my family and I came to visit you and do a ceremony, we went through a, a warrior ceremony, if that's correct, with the Sanang- rape Sananga. So could you, for people are listening, maybe <laughs> explain what a warrior ceremony is?
1: So Sananga are drops, they're eye drops that are made from a root. And they're quite painful you put one drop in each eye and it's all about clarity your intention is where you need clarity in your in your life it'll burn for 1 to 2 minutes and it is significant burning and uh the full process is 5 maximum 10 minutes okay and so that brings concept of clarity and intention of clarity the next thing is hape or rape hape is a uh, tobacco with ashes that are finely ground and they're blown up into each, each nostril. And the purpose is, is it stops the chatter with all the talking, self-talk that we have, stops the chatter in your brain, brings you to focus, and opens up the channels where spiritual and physical channels to receive any medicine. And there's many different ways. Varieties or types or formulas of the hape. But I do that before every ceremony. I offer those two medicines. Okay. I learned it, and traditionally it comes from the combo ceremony. And I think that's how you, where you experienced it, was uh, doing those three things. So it's warrior. And the joke that I have is uh, the Yawanawa, which is where I learned this uh, three-part ceremony with the combo. So they also do ayahuasca. But my joke is, come, come visit the Yawanawa. We will burn your eyes, then we burn your brain, then we uh, burn your skin, and you vomit. (laughs) Come, come visit the Yawanawa. And so it, it is warrior medicine, though. And for all of these medicines and all of life, It takes sacrifice. So we have to make these choices to, you know, to give of ourselves in the healing process. And so that's what that is. And uh, HAPE is also, I use it in the daily, in between different parts of my day. I don't always do it, but I always appreciate when I do stop that chatter in my brain to, be in focus when i'm with clients and then i'm going to go do ceremony i'll do hot bay i should have done hot bay before we started this interview so uh the uh equipment would all work uh, more
0: (laughs) well everything happens for a reason right
1: (laughs) absolutely for you to come back Rica.
0: yeah uh, i know i have the calling i need to get back there So one question I have for you is for people that maybe be a little hesitant about plant medicine what, or just these ethnogenic medicines in general, but want to come and experience them, what is your biggest advice to them, especially about just surrendering, if you could give them any advice?
1: Yeah, you need to locate and find a facility or whatever that you trust. So for me, it's trust, surrender. And allow. Trusting means that you feel good that the place that you're coming to has good intentions and uh, you resonate and it feels, you know, that they care about you basically. And you <laughs> trust the medicine and that you've researched enough to know that you're going to do this and you're going to give it, it its good opportunity. Surrender and allowing is to not resist and fight okay because usually that's what our illness is you know at the soul level is that we think that we know better than the creator or or these medicines or life and uh, as i said before these medicines only do 50% but the more we fight it or resist or it's just going to be harder because these medicines do win they are in my opinion Far superior and more powerful than uh, than humans on the spiritual level. So I suggest that you, if you have somebody that can refer you to a place that has gone somewhere that had a good experience, that's all good. And uh, of course, with me, uh, you can always uh, come to us in in Costa Rica. I also do phone consultations to where we figure out what your issues are, what challenges you're going through and what your intentions are. And then I can set out a plan for uh, which medicines I would recommend. A lot of people, I mean, everybody comes, oh, can we do ayahuasca ceremonies tomorrow at 6.30? Well, it doesn't (laughs) really work that way. And uh, (laughs) I highly recommend to go to an ayahuasca ceremony, spend at least two nights I, I think it's ridiculous to only go for one night when you do uh, ayahuasca. And I think that's fine. You know, you don't have to have a full, well, I mean, it's, it's good to have reverence and it's good to have preparation and all of that. But these medicines are a lot more forgiving. And uh, so you don't have to, it's good to take them seriously, but not take them dogmatically, if that makes sense.
0: And I totally resonate with what you're saying about surrendering because I feel sometimes the more you surrender, the more the medicine persists. And so I remember my first ceremony with ayahuasca, I just laid there and I said, okay, I'm ready. Take me whatever you want to show me. And I had the most beautiful experience, literally talking to my soul and my highest self. And it was just nothing But pure love and light. But also, like you said, that these ethnogenic medicines are not always love and light. They will take you to the depths, which I've been there with my head in the bucket with puke in my hair. But it's those moments that I appreciated so much of surrendering because it just brought so much more happiness afterwards. And yeah, and if anyone that's listening wants to go experience ethnogenic medicines, I highly Recommend Yashbal. I've been there with my family. Completely safe container. True medicine man. And what I really love about you is the respect. I think for me, that's a really big thing that I want to bring to awareness is that when you have respect for these ethnogenic medicines, that they see that and it opens yourself up so much more. If you could give one message to the world about ethnogenic medicines, what would it be?
1: They are physicians of the soul. They are to be honored and respected. Primarily, we have gratitude and thankfulness for the indigenous that their societies have been together for thousands of years. And we, as a Western civilized people, are babies. And these medicines contain that ancient knowledge that, uh, you know, we're just little newbies playing with uh, all the electronics and technologies and everything, but the earth technology, the earth science, the earth wisdom and teachings are in these sacred medicines.
0: Mm, So beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. Just for anyone that's listening, could you explain to the audience how they can find you? And of course, I will put it on my website. But yeah, for anyone that wants to experience ethnogenic medicines or natural healing.
1: Yes. Well, as we've learned in this, I'm pretty low on the technology side of things. So when I transition from being a doctor to doing all of this, I don't really have a website and all that available. But my WhatsApp, honestly, is a. The uh, <laughs> easiest way to get in touch with me, which is uh Costa Rican country code uh plus five oh six, and then it's eight eight one four one eight one three, or my signal is my US number, which is plus one three six zero three zero two zero zero four zero. And uh my email is Yashpal Y A S-H-P-A-L at yashpal.com which eventually will have information on there and I believe the yashpal.com still has just a one page with my contact information at this moment we are preparing for websites we are doing all of these things but they're not in place fully yet they can just contact you and then you'll find me
0: I will definitely share your information if that's okay with you. I'll definitely put you on my website because I think that people need healing more now than ever and finding a safe and safe container and person to do it with is so, so important. And I've just learned that through my own experience and I've been with you and I've sat with you and my family as well. So this is why I feel so um, comfortable you know, recommending, and it's a beautiful experience for anyone that's listening. And thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Appreciate you having me. I appreciate uh, you embarking on this uh, new endeavor, and uh, I wish you good luck and grace. And uh, as we work out all the technological kinks of doing podcasts, and uh, I respect all of you.
0: <laughs> thank you so much, Yashpal. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in to the Coming Back Home podcast. You can connect with me on social media platforms such as Instagram at Coming Back Home. Please like, share, and subscribe for more conscious, heartfelt, and healing content. If this episode resonated with you, please leave a review of my podcast on Apple or the website comingbackhome.co. Remember, it's a calling back home to the essence of who we are and who we are called to be in this lifetime. May God always bless and guide you, my brothers and sisters, and lots of love and light as always.